I believe in a New Jersey renewal which can help lead to an American renewal, both in every individual home in this state and in homes all around the world. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. Get the hell off the beach. You're done. They try to light me to make me look better, everybody, but you know, these are not miracle lights. Either sit down and keep quiet or get out. One or the other. We're done with you. I'm David First here with New Jersey Public Radio's Matt Katz and Tom Moran, editorial page editor for the Star-Ledger, New Jersey's largest paper. And a bit later in the show, we'll be joined by Mara Liason, national political correspondent for NPR News. But it's been a busy week in the Christie tracking business. The governor gives his State of the State address, which sounded more like a presidential campaign speech than a policy roadmap for New Jersey. He visits Iowa. He's heading back there on Saturday for the Iowa Freedom Summit. Tom, should we even bother to say that Governor Christie is a likely candidate anymore? I don't think so. He's definitely running. I think the only question is, uh, you know, how long he'll stay in it, I think, until and if he gets knocked out. But I think everything he's done in the last year or so has been aimed at running for president. He's been out of the state a third of the time, and he's been inactive on the major challenges facing the state, from the pension and health care crisis to the transportation fund crisis to just generally making a pitch for anything. He's, he's been AWOL. Matt, uh, does it matter whether Governor Christie has an exploratory committee? Uh, You argue that Governor Christie has been running for president pretty much since he announced his candidacy for governor in 2009. I think that the governor has sought to build a brand from the get-go that has all served the greater end of running for president. I don't know if he knew when he came to office in 2010 that he was going to be a legitimate presidential contender, but... Months into his term, he was being asked about running for president, so it's certainly been on his mind. And we now know that there were operations within the governor's office that were political, uh, that that were inherently political, that there were aides working in what was called the Intergovernmental Affairs Unit that were figuring out ways of winning Democratic towns and winning endorsements from Democratic mayors. They were distributing flags that had flown over Ground Zero to towns where the governor would later seek the mayor's endorsement there. There were also uh, political action committees that were running TV ads since the beginning of his term. And then finally, they've had a media strategy that has been really nationally minded for years now. Uh, He is certainly the first YouTube governor, and that has served him very well in terms of getting attention nationally. Well, Matt, you've been reporting on the governor's uh sophisticated media operation over the past few weeks and how he built his brand using uh, his charm, his temper, his ability to use the media, his ability to step past the reporters who cover him. Uh, Here's a little excerpt from your report. The videos accentuate the parts of his personality that have captured the American political imagination, like the time he deflected a question about the closure of a factory owned by Hostess, which makes Twinkies. You think you get behind this microphone? Having me talk about Twinkies, this is a setup, man. I know it. You people are the worst. To mark his five millionth view on YouTube, his team packaged highlights of his sound bites into a best of video. The one thing you won't be able to say at the end of this four years is that you didn't know me. I got sent here to do a job. I get sent here to be elected prom king. Get me out of the cage and let me go. I have something better to do. I have to rearrange my sock drawer tonight. 
Matt, you've been covering Chris Christie for years. What have you learned during this recent investigation? What was new to you? We had had to sue in order to get his email list. I was very curious for years now who he sends out his press releases and most specifically his YouTube videos to. He's got nearly 10 million uh, hits on his YouTube channel. And part of the reason is, is that the videos have been disseminated so widely. And I've been so curious about how that has happened. So New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC actually had to sue the administration to get this email list because they wouldn't give it to us. And I had the opportunity to view it in uh, his communications director's office. I was fascinated by a number of things. And at first, there's 2,500 names and email addresses on there, uh, TV producers and reporters. There's 88 uh, people from Fox News, for example. There's a push list for people who are very active on social media. So if they want to get a video out there immediately. They can uh, send it out to these uh, push folks. This all happens on the scene while he's, let's say, at a town hall meeting. So there could be reporters and, you know, uh, newspaper reporters and radio reporters at the town hall event, but TV producers around the country and at MSNBC and CNN actually get the news that Christie produces, the soundbiteable quotes that Christie wants you to see before we even get a chance to file our stories. And that's part of the reason why he's become such a national figure so quickly. Tom, did you want to follow on, on any of this idea of Christie as the, the soundbite uh, YouTube governor? I'm curious how that will play. I think most of his confrontations uh, people like because he sounds decisive and it's a great contrast with the more reserved Obama. Just on Friday when he was out in Iowa for Terry Bernstead's uh, inauguration, you know, he was mobbed by regular people out there saying, he, I like him, he's decisive. But I look at what, what his opponents are going to use, because there are a lot of taped confrontations of him where he goes over the top, where it's sit down and shut up, where he's telling a Navy SEAL you're an idiot, where he is uh, picking a fight basically on the boardwalk with someone while holding a melting ice cream cone, where he really looks pretty repugnant, I think, to most people. And those are the the snippets that his opponents will emphasize. I came here to do what people sent me here to do. And so, blunt, direct, maybe you might say honest and refreshing. And let me tell you something. After you graduate from law school, you conduct yourself like that in the courtroom, your rear end's going to get thrown in jail, idiot. I want to remind you, we are all from New Jersey. And what that means is, if you give it, You are getting it right back, all right? This is the Christie Tracker. We're here with the Star Ledger's Tom Moran and New Jersey Public Radio's Matt Katz. Tom, we heard a line from the State of the State speech at the very top of the show where Governor Christie talks about uh, a New Jersey renewal. And it really did seem like the 2015 model of that famous line from the 2012 State of the State speech. Today, I am proud to report that the New Jersey comeback has begun. So now, three years later, Christie says he believes in a New Jersey renewal, which can help lead to an American renewal. With New Jersey's economy continuing to lag behind the rest of the nation, how does that line sound in 2015? Well, I think it depends whether you know about his record. That was one of the comments I think was aimed at a national audience that really hasn't followed events in New Jersey, because in the House, it was like, what renewal? We are near the bottom of the nation in job creation. We have the second lowest bond rating in the country. We're in a tremendous fiscal crisis. And uh, neighboring states have done much, much better than New Jersey in attracting jobs. 
So in the House, among people in New Jersey, renewal had the sound of a few years back when they were talking about the New Jersey comeback that never materialized. It had the sound of pure politics and divorce from reality. To counter how they would respond to Tom's assertion that there is no renewal, um, there have been jobs created since the governor came in in the midst of the recession. There has been some job growth. Uh, The unemployment rate has gone down since he's been in office. It is still higher than the national average, of course. Um, And there are construction projects happening in certain cities that are are direct result of Governor Christie signing laws that enabled tax breaks and, you know, stimulated that sort of construction. There's so many ways to slice the uh, economic apple that any assertion that the economy in New Jersey has failed, which might come from an opponent, let's say, on a GOP primary debate stage. He'll be armed with other statistics to say, well, I came in, the unemployment rate was almost 10 percent, and I almost halved it to about 6 percent. And and that'll be his way of countering it, and then it'll be up for voters to sort of wade through it to decide if he's being real or not. Well, we're joined now by Mara Liason, national political correspondent for NPR News, who has covered numerous presidential campaigns. Welcome. Good to be here. Will Chris Christie be able to finesse the lack of progress in New Jersey, the slow recovery from Sandy, um, bad economic numbers lagging behind the rest of the country? Are are these things that will trip him up on the campaign trail? I think those things are one of a package of what you might call Christie obstacles. Um, Yeah, I do. I think that Christie's competing in the lane of you could call the establishment Republican governor's mini primary. And if Jeb Bush is the big dog in that primary right now, somebody's going to emerge as his competitor. It's going to be Chris Christie or Scott Walker or Rick Perry. And they are all going to be touting their state's uh, stories. And Christie's story in New Jersey uh, has a lot of holes that can be poked in it. But there's some other problems that are even, um, they're more invisible But there's only so much establishment money to go around. And if Jeb Bush is out there hoovering it all up right now, he could really suck the oxygen out of the room in the money primary. And the money primary, the primary to line up big donors, um, is really the first step in the Republican uh, nominating battle. And Jeb Bush has been doing that very aggressively. He's been to New Jersey to talk to big donors. And um, Chris Christie is considered a little bit behind in that race. So I think it's not just the problems with the New Jersey record, but it's also that he's been a little bit slower to develop an organization and lineup donors. So Mara, the primary before the primary, there was a time when some wondered if Christie might be the only uh, moderate Republican in the race. Now it looks like this three-way fight over who gets to be the party establishment candidate with uh, Christie, Mitt Romney, Jeb Bush. Where does Chris Christie fit in in this puzzle? Well, that's the real question, and that's why that's the biggest question about Chris Christie. And you hear more and more people questioning whether he fits in at all, because in the era before Jeb Bush and Mitt Romney, Chris Christie was the future of the Republican Party. He'd won in a blue state. Uh, at that time, he looked like he had a good state story to sell. He was moderate, um, but he had some conservative credentials. Now, you've got other 
governors and former governors who have more conservative credentials. One of Chris Christie's problems was always going to be, would his particular brand sell in Republican primary states like South Carolina and Iowa? And he built his brand around, you know, his personal leadership style. But but that's not enough. You know, you've got to have solid conservative credentials where he was suspect, I think, from some in the Republican grassroots, and you have to have a strong state story to tell. This is the Christie Tracker, where no town hall exchange goes unnoticed. I was under the impression, I thought I heard that Bruce asked that none of his music was played at your events because he didn't believe in your politics. No, never did that. the uh, poor people and the uh, middle class people of the state. No, you're wrong about that. Bruce has never asked me to, Bruce has never asked me to do that. I saw Bruce about a week and a half ago, um, and he had every opportunity to tell me not to. He didn't, and he never has told me not to I'm do it. I'm pretty sure that nah, I... You're, listen, I, I know him, and I know him, and you're wrong. And I understand you're, you're now expressing your My politics. Neighbor. You're, yeah, you're now expressing your politics and your objection, and that's fine. Don't put it in Mr. Springsteen's mouth. Put it in yours. This is the Christie Tracker Podcast. We've been speaking with uh, New Jersey Public Radio's Matt Katz, Star Ledger's Tom Moran, and Mara Liason with NPR News. Mara, America has seen a lot of New Jersey culture of one kind or another over the past several years, you know, from the Sopranos to Jersey Shore to the Housewives of New Jersey. But, 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 but is America ready for Chris Christie? Is America ready for someone who is so New Jersey? Well, that's always been the question. I mean, for a while, his kind of in-your-face style was refreshing. It seemed authentic. He seemed tough. And he built his um, kind of rationale for leadership around that style. But that kind of style can devolve into shtick. And I think that's the question. You know, how will Republican um, primary voters, especially in these southern states, look at him? The argument that if I can win in New Jersey, I can also turn Pennsylvania, Ohio, you know, maybe Illinois uh, red um, because I'm a kind of crossover Republican. Um, That's a general election argument. But he's got to get the nomination first. And I think the obstacles for Christie are just getting more and more numerous. Matt Katz, uh, is America ready for Chris Christie? In the past, my experience in following him around the country was that they were ready for him, that people would come up to him on the street and in rallies and for other candidates and they'd mob him and they'd say, I love the way you talk to those reporters. I love the way you put it to that teacher. I, lo- I love the way you talk. I uh, love the Jersey thing. And he, he attracted a good deal of celebrity because of that. How that plays now that there is such a crowded field and there's two other guys in what's considered the moderate wing of the party is, is really an open question. And there's another thing hanging out there, and that's Bridgegate. And if Bridgegate yields indictments in the next coming weeks or months, and if some of those indictments are people close to the governor, then the tough guy shtick might not seem as much like a shtick and might seem 
more like a modus operandi, and that could potentially become a problem. Well, you know, there's another thing that I hear from conservatives, which is that Christie has been remarkably reluctant to commit himself on important issues, like immigration is a perfect example. He just doesn't want to talk about it. That's a really important issue inside the Republican Party. Jeb Bush isn't isn't shy. You know, he's clearly for comprehensive immigration reform and legalization, whereas some of the other, you know, candidates are against it. But What I think is that if you only have leadership style and you don't have a fully developed policy agenda, then the leadership style can't carry you. I think it has to be tied to something else much more substantive and um, or an incredible record in your state, you know, a New Jersey miracle, which we certainly don't have. We've been speaking with New Jersey Public Radio's Matt Katz, the Star-Ledger's Tom Moran, and with Mara Eliasson, national political correspondent for NPR News. Thanks, everyone. Okay, thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks to our executive producers, Chris Bannon, WNYC's Vice President for Content and Production, Jim Schachter, WNYC's Vice President for News, and New Jersey Public Radio Managing Editor, Nancy Solomon. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to The Tracker on iTunes. You can follow Matt Katz at mattkatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z. And you can catch us on stage next week. WNYC and Montclair State University present Tracking Chris Christie, a conversation with political journalists in the Conference Center at MSU. Panelists will include Matt Katz, Mara Eliasson, and Tom Moran along with Robert George, columnist for the New York Post. The event is free, and it all begins at 7.30 p.m. on Monday, January 26th. You can find more information at the Christie Tracker podcast page at WNYC.org. And till next week. Well, damn, man, I'm governor. Could you just shut up for a second? You know?